Head to netsuite.com slash briefing now for their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Hey, everyone. I'm Phil Mattingly, CNN senior White House correspondent in for David Chalian, and this is the CNN Political Briefing. Next week, President Biden jets off for his first international trip as commander-in-chief with stops in the United Kingdom, Belgium, and Switzerland. In his first major foreign policy speech way back in February, President Biden laid out this commitment to the world. We will repair our alliances and engage with the world once again, not to meet yesterday's challenges, but today's and tomorrow's. And next week, that commitment is going to get its first in-person and very high stakes test. So today, we're going to take you through what you can expect to see in Biden's time abroad, from the G7 meeting in the UK to his meeting with NATO in Brussels, and finally, that all-important summit with Vladimir Putin. Now, Biden has made no secret of the fact domestic policy in this time of dueling economic and public health crises has been his priority. But in recent weeks, it's his foreign policy that has really been put under a microscope. Next week, the president will come face to face with some of those pressing issues. And for a White House exceedingly conscious of appearances in the middle of a once in a century pandemic, this by far marks the most ambitious travel schedule of the Biden presidency. Now, first up on the calendar, the UK and meetings with Prime Minister Boris Johnson and yes, the Queen, as the next chapter of the special relationship is renewed in person. But the central focus of the visit to the UK will be that G7 summit, where Biden will meet one-on-one with member leaders of Canada, France, Germany, Italy, and Japan. Now, last year's virtual G7 summit was mostly focused on efforts to combat the COVID-19 pandemic. But this year, the list of topics is expected to range across a number of issues, from COVID and vaccine diplomacy to climate, to taxes, to trade, just the economy in general. But White House officials are keen to ensure that there is a prime focus on one nation that's not actually in the alliance, China, and the moves it has made across the globe to counter Western power. Now, it's something President Biden has consistently talked about in his time in office, this battle between rising authoritarianism and democracy. I predict to you, your children or grandchildren are going to be doing their doctoral thesis on issue of who succeeded, autocracy or democracy, because that is what is at stake. Now, you listen to that and you recognize that it's at the core of why he views these historically close alliances and tightening them to a level that they haven't been in years as essential for what's to come. All in all, this wing of the trip is likely to focus on revitalizing the transatlantic relationship. It's that bond between Europe and the U.S. after four years of President Trump's, let's just say, volatile approach. It's overall something that has really been a priority for the Biden administration. I'm sending a clear message to the world. America is back. The transatlantic alliance is back. And we are not looking backward. We are looking forward together. Following that G7 summit, Biden will travel to Brussels to participate in the NATO summit, where he will affirm the long-held U.S. commitment to NATO. The United States is fully committed to our NATO alliance. To me and to the United States and to us, we'll keep faith with Article 5. It's a guarantee. Now, what Biden is referring to there, Article 5, that is the provision that says an attack on one NATO ally is an attack on all allies. It is the backbone of the relationship, the backbone of the coalition. 
And in Brussels, NATO leaders will discuss how to address future threats as well as, quote, effective burden sharing. Now, if you are familiar with that term, it's because this was a major cause for President Trump, hammering other member countries to boost their efforts to meet proposed defense spending targets. But it's worth noting, you know, despite the theatrics, Trump wasn't unique in that push. President Barack Obama did the same. The Biden administration agrees generally with the same idea. But it was how Trump did it that many critics thought caused more harm than good. And that whole environment, it really sets the table for what Biden is doing right now, trying to re-engage the U.S. in a leadership role in NATO after President Trump spent a lot of his time berating those European allies throughout his four years in office. And at some points, he even seemed to question the value of the alliance itself. Now, this shift in approach, as you might expect, has been very warmly embraced by other member nations. In fact, here's European Council President Charles Michel in February. Our alliance, along with our like-minded partners, constitutes a formidable and influential power. Let's make our partnership a powerhouse for a better world. Welcome back, America. But it won't be all rosy. Biden faces a tough meeting with Turkish President Erdogan and is expected to face some pressure from NATO allies over the speed of the U.S. withdrawal in Afghanistan that Biden announced in April. Now, NATO also has thousands of troops in Afghanistan, and they're winding down their mission as well. And while Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Mark Milley assured NATO allies that there would be a deliberate withdrawal of U.S. and coalition forces from Afghanistan under the promise of, quote, in together, out together, President Biden is going to need to make a concerted effort to ease some rising concerns about the speed of that withdrawal among the NATO partner countries. It's something his top national security advisors have been working behind the scenes to do for the last several weeks. Now it's going to be up to Biden to do it himself in person. And finally, the final, and I think you could argue perhaps most important stop of President Biden's trip his face-to-face meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin in Geneva, Switzerland. Now, so far, Biden has taken a very carefully calibrated approach to the Russian leader, and frankly, Russian-U.S. relations on the whole. He's communicating directly with President Putin in advance of U.S. sanctions designed to counter Russian cyber aggression. It, It was a clear effort to try and frame the U.S. response as proportional, not an effort to invite an escalation but instead an effort to lay down some guardrails for the early stages of this relationship. This is what White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain had to say about towing the line when it comes to meeting face-to-face with Putin. Then it's important that they meet face-to-face to find areas of agreement if they exist and certainly to be candid about the sharp areas of disagreement where they exist. We're meeting with Vladimir Putin not because we agree with them or not as some kind of reward for good behavior, far from it, We're meeting with him because he is the president of the other great nuclear power on this planet. White House officials have already laid out what I think we could generously call would be a laundry list of items that President Biden plans to address with President Putin. Just this week, officials said the president will raise the recent cyber attacks on U.S. companies. On Wednesday, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said that Biden, quote, certainly thinks that President Putin and the Russian government certainly have a role to play. But Biden also plans to discuss continued Russian aggression in Ukraine political prisoners like Alexei Navalny. Oh, and close Russian ally Belarus, they just intercepted a commercial plane in mid-flight in order to seize an opposition journalist. Now, that's not to say there aren't some areas where the U.S. and Russia plan to work together or have worked together already. The two countries worked together on nuclear issues, already agreed to extend the START treaty in the early weeks of the Biden presidency. And they have mutual interests in both efforts to reinstate the Iran nuclear deal and, of course, Biden's Afghanistan withdrawal. 
But the jury is very obviously still out on Biden's overall approach, whether that approach will have any effect on Putin. But this meeting, the meeting between these two, it really could make or break a relationship that is always very volatile between the U.S. and Russia. It's pretty simple to say, all in all, this meeting with Putin is just the high-stakes cap on an extremely important foreign trip. And that's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. And please take a moment and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. CNN Political Briefing is a production of CNN Audio. Megan Marcus is the executive producer. Haley Thomas is the senior producer. Our episodes are produced by Will Cadigan, Mimi Mutasa, and Emmanuel Johnson, an engineer by Francisco Monroy and Dan DeZula. I'm Phil Mattingly. David Chalian will be back on Monday. <laughs>